uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to the May edition of our Microsoft Monthly Podcast. I am joined by our usual expert, Tom Arbuthnot from Modality Systems. Tom takes me through all the latest news and updates for the last few weeks within the Microsoft Collaboration Platform. We also discuss UC Expo, which took place earlier on this month, and have a look at the three main pieces of news that affect Microsoft Teams and Skype for Business. Have a listen. Good afternoon, Tom. How, how are you today? Yeah. Hey, Patrick. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, in Germany at the moment, and it is blistering sunshine here, so I can't complain. Also, you will be at, uh, is it the Collaboration Summit? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's um, uh, in uh, Mainz or Mainz, which is uh, about 20 minutes Mainz. out from Frank. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. 20 minutes out from uh, Frankfurt Airport. So quick trip over here, but really big uh, community driven events, about 1500 people out here, um, all for SharePoint and Teams and Exchange and uh, Microsoft Stack stuff. All of the Microsoft land of fun. Well, you've had an extremely busy month then in May. Because we saw each other, obviously, at UC Expo, which was earlier on this month. Yeah, yeah, it's been a busy month for events. So UC Expo was great. It's always a good uh, good event, that, because that's cross-vendor. So that's always interesting for me to see what Cisco is saying, what Microsoft is saying, you know, and and, and, and all the other players, the, the Mitels, Avias, Ring Central, all the, everybody's there. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that event. Good, uh, good turnout again there and uh, good question. So one of the main themes that came out of UC Expo, and certainly something that was, that was mentioned to us repeatedly, was Teams. And it was really very prominent at the event how many people were asking about Teams. Did you, did you get the same thing? I know, I know you did a talk. Yeah, d- definitely. So like, I, I did a talk on Teams and where I think it fits well for businesses and, and the talk about transforming and the journey from Skype for Business to Teams. And I did a quick hands up in my session and nearly everybody put their hands up for using Skype for Business in some form today. And about 70% probably put their hand up for we're either now playing with teams or we're planning on going on a team's journey. So it was very, very topical for the event. And is that something you're getting asked for more and more in modality in terms of migration path? And Because everyone must be, you know, must be aware that this is, this is where we're going in, in a Microsoft sense. Yeah, definitely. And and customers are starting to come to us about it, which is interesting. So they're saying, you know, we're 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 considering it. Like there's not lots of big we're going hundred percent from Skype business to hundred percent teams yet. We're not seeing loads of that. But what we are seeing is this is on our agenda, we want to start considering it, we want to start using it for certain use cases. So yeah, the conversations are definitely happening and you know, customers are into the, even Skype customers are into one case. I talked to a customer at UC Expo who's a 60,000 user customer and they've got 10,000 active users of Teams. Even though they're primary Skype for business, they're just using Teams for project-based work and chat-based work. So it's definitely picking up. And I suppose that is a, that is a benefit of the Microsoft platforms in general. Like you said, you don't have to, you know, it's not a cut and dry. You don't have to, you know, only have Teams users or only have Skype. You can do it part organizational. The, the migration path is flexible, isn't it, for businesses? Yeah, and that's that's the big conversation point is there's, there's these five user modes that we talked about on one of the earlier podcasts from just using Teams for channel-based chat and out loud file type stuff to using it for meetings, to moving all the way to making it your primary client. And there's there's not a right or wrong absolute there. It's about your org, your culture. Um, the, the the tricky bit is the interrupt where you've got both in side by side. You can interrupt between the two. You can do calling, you can do video, you can do basic chat. 
um, but meetings only live on one or the other. So there is some training and cultural change stuff to deal with there. What, what's interesting is more often than not, I'm seeing customers saying that at some point they're going to be willing to take that on because their bigger business goal is working more collaboratively, working you know faster, making decisions, getting products to market, whatever the business requirements are. They, they seem to be aligning to the concept of working in agile teams that work together, not in email and meetings, which is kind of the old school mode. Collaboration is the future. Apparently so. I mean, that was it, isn't it? UC Expo is the name, but it's actually really collaboration was the watchword for all the vendors. Yeah, no, it absolutely did, did dominate the event, really. UC and comms took a, took a bit of a backseat. Um, so while we're on collaboration is the future, um, news of Teams and Skype this month, and you you were telling me before, you give me a very detailed run-through of everything that's been happening this month. And one thing I hadn't heard about was the, the, the free trial of, of Teams. Yeah, so this, this hasn't got tons of press, but it's interesting. Um, a while ago, there were some leaked stories about maybe Teams moving to like a freemium model. So one of the benefits of Slack to them for their user growth is there's no blockers to signing up essentially anybody in the business goes and spins up slack for free and starts using it and then at some point someone in the business gets their credit card out and buys the premium version and and that's their growth model it's kind of viral growth teams is a little bit different because you have to have an office 365 account and you have to have a license a typical user can't just go and spin it up i mean that's fine if, if you've already got office 365 it's fine anybody can but if you haven't, they can't just start using it. Um, and, and there was rumors that Microsoft would go to a freemium model and allow people to just start using it. This is not quite that. What this is, is if you've got an Office 365 license that doesn't include Teams, which is, which is few licenses these days, but there are some licenses that are specifically single workload. So things like you've just got Exchange Foundation, You've got Microsoft Planner, you've got Office Online. That you bought a you bought a low tier account. Microsoft, as soon as you start using Teams, will give you a free grace year from whenever the first user starts using it. So again, it's just Microsoft trying to nudge people in the direction of look, try it for a while. If you like it, then uplift your licensing and trying to remove any blockers from people starting to use it, basically. And is that because I mean, obviously. It's 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 different from Slack, isn't it? As you said, you have to have a 365 account. I remember I asked, you know, my best friend Laurie Wright, GM of, <laughs> of Teams and Skype, whether your text buddies, aren't you? If I remember rightly. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still pushing with this, despite the fact that I haven't spoken to her since Enterprise Connect. But I remember asking her if Teams was ever going to be available outside of 365, and as you said, this this doesn't do that. But for all of those 365 plans where effectively you wouldn't get Teams. Microsoft are trying to tempt you in by, by with that trial. Yeah, absolutely. They're just trying to remove that blocker. Like you, you bought a specific SKU for Yammer or for SharePoint, and that's all your business wanted to do. But now they just want to say, well, look, business users, Teams is here. Give it a go, and then come back to the business and say, yeah, maybe after a year you're using it actively, and you want a a license that includes Teams. Okay, and, and that um, is, how, how do people go about getting hold of that? I know you, it'll be on your blog, Tom Talks, won't it? But yeah. What's yeah, good plug. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's just going to be enabled, interestingly. So, if you're on one of those license levels, and they're all detailed in the blog, um, that by default, the trial will just start when someone starts using Teams. Admins can block it if they want to. They can disable it. 
Um, but by default, by the notification, they'll just have access to it. So if you are an admin on one of those scenarios, you might want to understand this because you want to know when the business starts using it so you can keep an eye on that countdown because it's going to, you know, at the end of the year, you're going to need to true up the licenses. Worth, worth keeping an eye on there. And other, other news, a new uh, desktop app for, for Teams? Yeah, so this is, this is really interesting, actually. So this is uh, the Microsoft Teams progressive web app, um, which is a, a technical jargon for a different way to build a, a, a Windows application or a desktop application, I should say, because it's not just limited to Windows. That's kind of the point. So a progressive web app is built on web technology and then has a wrapper. And the idea is you can build um, different uh, a core that's the same. So your media stack and your application is the same. And then you launch it in a browser or you launch it on iOS or you launch it on Android or you launch it on Windows or you launch it on Mac. And 90% of the code is reused. All the APIs are the same. All the features are the same. That, that story is essentially what Microsoft did, but they used an open source technology called Electron. Um, the problem with Electron is it doesn't go into the Windows Store. So there's been this weird gap where Microsoft have a Windows Store for applications, and you can download Office, and you can download all their apps, and you can download third-party apps, but you can't get Teams from that store. This new app that initially is just for Windows 10 S mode is available in the store and allows them to distribute an app that will work in the store, that will work in Windows in its more locked down mode, which is called Windows S mode, and also eventually will work on things like surfaces. So this will give them the ability to have a an app in their store that will hit devices that only support Windows Store apps, basically. But um, what's the what's the Microsoft driver behind this? Is it that, as you said, the, the open platform thing in terms of you can it's not just Windows, you know, iOS, all of that. Yeah, it's um, it, I mean, it's a it's a bigger industry driver. So it feels like Google, Microsoft, and and now Apple are all behind the idea of you build a web app because that the web is the future, and then you wrap it and optimize it for desktop or optimize it for mobile. So it's a bigger industry trend. But for Microsoft, it looks like all the major vendors are going to support this type of app. So Microsoft can put it in their store. Um, and, and get the benefits of it, and they can tightly integrate it into Windows 10 because Windows 10 is getting optimized for progressive web apps. And what optimized means is like things like notifications and icons and how the application installs and uninstalls will all work very slickly on Windows. But that same code could conceptually run on a Chromebook. Like that's not been released yet, but Chromebook support PWAs. Conceptually, Microsoft could wrap this same app and put it and work on Chrome, and it would look exactly the same and feel exactly the same on Windows as it would on Chrome, as it would on Mac. Ah, so going forward, it opens up a few more possibilities in, in that sense of development. Yeah, definitely, and, and it just feels like the future of the industry in terms of, in general, so I think Microsoft are just aligning to where modern application development is going. And, and last uh, piece of news on, on, on the list, was uh, Office 365, which obviously is crucial for as you have to have 365 to have Teams and also for Skype for Business. Uh, the the multi-geo, is, is that tenancy? You were saying multi-geo data centers? Yeah, there's a lot of jargon in this one. Um, so Office 365, you when you buy it for the first time, your entity, your, you know, your, your 
essentially what you buy is called a tenant. So that's where all your mailboxes are, where all your OneDrive files are, etc. And, and up until recently, that was a single location globally. So for example, Modality's tenant, I think is in, in the US. So we span up a tenant, that's where all of our stuff sits. Um, but you might have compliance reasons to keep some of your data in Europe or some of your data in Asia Pack or wherever it is. And up until this feature, you had to pick a single location. Now with multi-geo, which is multiple geographies, you can have your primary tenant location, um, which Microsoft refer to as a home geo now, and then you can have satellite geo. So you can pick 10 users, 50 users, 100 users, and say, I want to home those users in Australia or in America or in Europe. And, and that gives you new abilities to meet data kind of you know data compliance requirements that say these users mailboxes must live in this region or country and, and i was i was i almost mentioned the, the dreaded gdpr then i was going to say you know is this, is this led by a compliance and data regulation angle and and also do you think it's been driven by customers requesting this from microsoft or, or are they potentially missing out on new customers who are thinking oh well actually you know, until until a feature like this is available, we, we're potentially not going to go down the 365 route. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely customer driven because lots of customers today would have their SharePoint and their Exchange and maybe their Skype in multiple locations. So they'd have a, a, an Asia pool, they'd have a, a Europe pool, they'd have a US pool, and that means that the data for those users largely stays in those regions as well. And that was something that until this, Microsoft couldn't really emulate with the cloud. So it would have been a blocker for certain customers going to cloud and they'll now get unlocked. So that I think that's the big driver. And certainly we see it today. The first release of it is only for OneDrive and mailboxes. So those are two big file stores. So your personal files and your mailbox will now stay in that region. And over time, that will expand to other workloads so that you can you know, add your SharePoint sites and groups to be in a certain place or your Office 365 groups to be in a certain place. And did they give any sort of time frame when the whole, when all of the different platforms will be available? Yeah, no, no timeline. Um, as, as is the way of this modern development stuff, it's uh, it's kind of, it will be ready when it's QA'd and ready. Um, definitely they said that SharePoint Online and Office 365 Groups will be next. They haven't given any specific advice for Skype for Business or Teams. Um, but what we do know is Skype for Business already had a similar feature called regionally hosted meetings which is actually regionally hosted users really and um, that feature is whitelist so you have to go and ask microsoft for it on a case by case it's not being heavily used teams is built on office 365 groups and sharepoint as part of its data storage so some of that may go regional but teams is also built on lots of azure microservices so i think teams might be quite challenging to fit into this model and we'll just have to stay tuned to see where that fits into the into the wider story. Got you. Well, I, th I think that pretty much wraps up the May news as, as far as it goes. Yeah, yeah, I think those are, those are definitely the three big ones for May. Um, we're coming into you know June and July next, which is leading up to another quarter where Microsoft should have some new features dropping. So we'll see see what's happening next month in terms of new features or preview features. Uh, we did we did talk last month about direct routing that's now public preview but there's some other phone bits and pieces that should be out so hopefully next month uh, stay tuned we'll have some more news on new features dropping in microsoft teams 
Great. And what, what have you got planned for the rest of the month? I know you're at the Collaboration Summit and the blogs at Tom Talks, isn't it? UK. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't think there's any new events coming up for a few weeks, which is nice. So it'll probably be mostly uh, home and office based. Uh, I think uh, we started preparation for Microsoft Ignite, which is in uh, September time. So that's the next big, big show. Uh, and maybe I think IP Expo in London later this year. But yeah, no, it'll be a bit more um, local stuff and uh, customer work next month, I think. Excellent. Well, Tom, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Great. Appreciate it, Patrick. Talk in soon. As always, a massive thanks to Tom for coming onto the podcast and giving us all the May updates for the Microsoft communication and collaboration platforms. You can follow Tom on social media and find his blog at tomtalks.uk. There is also loads more Skype and Microsoft Teams content on our website. So if you go to uctoday.com, there's all the latest news on both of the platforms. Anyway, until next time, thanks for listening.